With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. Yes, good afternoon. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball. How are you doing, Marshy? Yep, good afternoon to you, Ricardo. Good afternoon to all the listeners out there. I'm doing really well, thank you, mate. Uh, quite an interesting weekend of rugby and uh, certainly did dish up some interesting results, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, mate, it, it it certainly did. I mean, uh, you know, we've had, uh, of course, the Moana game last night at home against the Chiefs. Uh, we've had uh, all the games out of Australia from, from Super Rugby. We've had the Six Nations as well. Where do you want to start? Yeah, look, I think we break down um, the Super Rugby here in New Zealand first. Obviously, um, only one game for the weekend, and that wasn't a, a regular round game. It was a catch-up game. Uh, that um, was missed earlier on the season. But Moana Pacifica, obviously the the virus has been right through their squad, which is why they missed those first uh, three rounds. So they, because of that, had a fit and available squad and fair play to the Chiefs who didn't. In total, they were missing close to 20 players, but they were still uh, prepared to take on uh, the challenge of Moana Pacifica at uh, Mount Smart Stadium, their home ground for the first time. So good on the Chiefs for deciding to front for that game. A bit of a gamble, I would have thought, from Clayton McMillan, but probably a very educated gamble that he felt. Uh, I, I sort of alluded it, uh, alluded to it um, earlier in the week that I think he kind of thought if he can put out a strong enough side now and um, get the win that he's after, it saves, saves him a little bit of pain in trying to catch both this game and the game that they missed this weekend against the Hurricanes up at some stage later in the season when players are more fatigued, um, the season's starting to get longer. If he could tick that box now uh, he could get a, and get a result, then uh, puts him a step ahead later in the season. And man, did the gamble pay off. Yeah, really, it paid off really, really well. Actually, joining us now to talk about this game is uh, former All Black and Tongan international Peter Alatini. G'day, Peter. How you doing? Good afternoon, men. Good, thank you, Ricardo. That's the story, mate. Uh, I mean, uh, at half time, things were actually looking uh, pretty good. I mean, uh, Moana Pacifica were in the fight. I mean, 19-7 down, but uh, that try right before half time was a little bit of a killer. Uh, but I, I suppose the guys that the, the Chiefs can bring off the bench is, is really the difference we're looking at between these two squads, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, look, the, the, what I see in that Chiefs side is they've got strike power across the board. Um, and as soon as they get... Um, Pass, uh, go forward ball. They're just so dangerous um, with space, and, and we saw that in those tries um, in the second half. 
How much difference would it have made, do you think, if uh, Peter Castor-Cooler was wearing a Moana Pacifica jersey? Man, that guy <laughs> eats metres, doesn't he? Mate, he is, he's phenomenal at the moment. He's just playing so well. I mean, the skill set, um, to be able to hang in the edge, and even, I mean, his try yesterday was in close quarters, um, something out of nothing, really, but just the power and, and, and the speed that he's got, but also the flick passes and, and, the, and the nice skill sets that he has as well. He's um, he's really on form and and, uh, and, and killing teams. And, and unfortunately, it was Moana. And like you said, we'd love to have him in a Moana jersey, but unfortunately, he's uh, he's with the Chiefs. Hello, Marshy. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, pretty much at the 11th hour, mate. Um, and no doubt, <laughs> usually on a Sunday, you've got your shirt off running around the beach. <laughs> and, um, and going for a swim in the waves, but <laughs> we appreciate you picking up the phone. Um, hey, look, mate. Right, when you summarise this game and summarise minor Pacifica and where they're at, where where do you think they got to from their first performance against the Crusaders? Because let's face it, they hadn't played in, in three mm. weeks. Pretty similar circumstances here. Did they come up? against the better side in the Chiefs, or have they gone backwards in the time that it's taken for them to get their second game in? I think, I think they came up against a better side in, in the Chiefs, Marshy. Um, I, I think that that Chiefs side that was put out was, uh, was still very, very strong across the board. Um, and, and with the Moana, this is, this is going to be the biggest challenge in, in playing the New Zealand teams. That they just If they fall off tackles against teams like this, if they don't... Um, the set piece right, or, or they don't just do those little things, which which are quite crucial to their game and getting momentum continuity. Um, they're going to struggle every time they play these teams, and and with the with the New Zealand teams, as we know, Marshy, they're, they're so strong across the board, regardless um, of who they put on. It's just, uh, I suppose, minor lessons in every game. They just have to be a little bit better in, in terms of just you know the defense has been one of their really standouts of late, but I felt they just kind mm-hmm. of. Just some key one-on-one tackles, um, and against against the strike power that that the Chiefs possess, it's uh, you miss and, and you're going to get paid for, and that's what happened yesterday. Their discipline wasn't great. Like we know that the set piece. I think at the start of the season that was what everybody was alluding to, as if they could compete and just get parity or close to it mm. with their line out, with their scrum. Obviously, they got the firepower to compete, so I think that's pretty much a given. But the other side of discipline um, is, is obviously you know not getting on the wrong side of the referee. Now, okay, they were they were definitely that, but to me, it just looked like they were getting penalised regularly because they couldn't cope with the speed that the Chiefs were yeah. playing at. Like they couldn't roll away quick enough out of the tackle. They couldn't effectively be accurate there because before they knew it, the ball was just being moved on. Do you think that was a tempo thing that caught them out that they just weren't prepared for? that sort of uh, ball speed and, and tempo in the game? Yeah, 100%. 100%, Marshy. Um, that's, that's the key area around when I find teams expose them, when, when they uh, really do, when that tempo ball is, 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 is in and out and the guys either can't get back into play or, or, or readjust their, um, into their position for defence. And, um, and, yeah, usually, like you said, around that little that ruck area, when the guys don't get out, they're actually going to get penalised. And then that's what happened yesterday. But definitely the tempo, I mean, I think that's a key part. And understanding, I mean, most of these guys probably only got NPC experience. Very few have got their super experience. Yeah. So it's, 
playing regularly in, in this space and just finding ways. Uh, well, one is, you know, when the defence line is, is really strong, they actually stop the, the tension and really slow that ball down. And, and that's what they've got to kind of do um, more often at times. But And, and then just keep picking up. Because you know that some of these teams and the speed they play, they're going to face it regularly. So uh, the quicker they kind of adapt to that, um, the better they'll be in being able to stop some of these teams. So with your very astute coaching hat on, you're, you're our major sitting back having a look at that performance yesterday and then restarting your week to focus for the next game. You know, where, where does he go from, from a performance like that? Does he, does he just mm. win that game and go, and go back to knowing that he has to do set-piece? We, we interviewed Philo with Sky at half-time and he said, yep, no, set-piece isn't there, discipline's not there. Yeah. But they never really got it right in the second half. So do they drastically change... What they're trying to do. If you were coaching them, what what what, we, what what would you come up with to try and get the likes of the Tuwalas um, and, and and the Havilis uh, firing Anukus into the game, or where they can use that firepower that they've got? Because at the moment, it just seems that they hardly get into the game. I, I agree. I think part of it, I, I feel, Marshy, is that um, at times we play in those close quarters, and we're not really a team. When you're playing against New Zealand teams in the close quarters, you've really got to be massive. I mean, we're massive physicality, but in terms of um, getting off the ground and, and that, that fitness rate, eh? So, so the, the longer these guys uh, play in those close quarters, I feel that it drains them. So my, my thing, I think with, with Pacifica, like you said, with the, with the players got out wide, I'd like to see us play in, in wider quarters, to be honest, and, and kind of attack a little bit outside of that because they're, they're so strong around those, those fringes and, and in that space there, but I think where we can try and create some one-on-ones, and I feel Karua team's the same. When they play close quarters and they're all constantly on the ground, you can see them kind of tie up pretty quickly. But as soon as they go to some width or play in, in the mid um, kind of uh, pods as such and get quick balling and, and hit those wingers or hit the, the midfielders on the outboard, we find that we get good space and, and, and kind of get behind that, their mind time, which, which then gets us a little bit of go-forward ball and like I said, with, with the talent that we have in those midfielders and also out wide, it's, um, we know they can finish. So it's, it's giving them some, some, some good one-on-one and some space to, to have a crack. Yeah, you're, you're bang on. I totally agree. And that's a hard balance to get, isn't it? But mm. They're going to have to find yeah. a way. Are you worried, Ella, about their squad depth? Like, they lost, I think, McKee with a really serious uh, injury. Um, Kepu looked like he was struggling. Um yeah, the, the, Lilia yeah. um took a head knock. Uh, so they're going to have to start digging into their resources and they've really only effectively played two games. Does, does that yep. concern as well, that the, that the depth isn't there? Yeah, that, that was always the biggest worry from the beginning of the uh, of this campaign, is knowing that the, the few guys that, you know, that have got the great experience, or even across the water in that first starting uh, 23, but you, you, like you said, you mentioned those players going down, it will test their squad, and that was always, there was always going to be a worry going into this um, first campaign with the players they got. But in saying that too, Marshy, I feel that like, with these young boys, because they're quite young, some of those boys across the board, if they kind of understand the opportunity they've got and, and actually embrace the challenge and to just play at that level and, and be tested each week, I think that's going to be the best thing from one going forward, is a lot of these guys playing regularly against these games, against these teams, uh, the New Zealand teams especially, 
I'll, I'll find they'll find their feet um, as they go through. It's, it's going to go through a bit of pain, though, unfortunately. And I feel it's, it's just the way, especially with the New Zealand teams, it's just relentless and unforgiving. So the, the quicker these boys just kind of embrace the challenges they face weekly, I, I think the more they'll get better at it and understand it and, and just hope to, to adapt and develop from it. I tell you who I saw floating around yesterday in the, on the sidelines, which I, I didn't realise well, was an acquisition for um, Wana Pacifica, was um, Nico Jones. Um, mm. it, you know, like, obviously he had his opportunity in the Auckland side, but didn't really get any game time. Um, yeah, is he one of those... What do you know about him? Have you, you would have seen him, obviously, around the school's rugby, and, and if he's half the player as old man was, he'll be a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen him also in the club, club rugby. He played a bit of for Waitamata um, when he came out of school. He's, he's, he's just young, mate. He just needs more time on the field. He hasn't played uh, mm. too many games, like you said, for Auckland. So he just needs some continuity. He's got a great school set. He's got a school set like his is dead and he's got good pace. He's quite fast, but I, I think he just needs game time um, to really develop and in, in depth and in, in um, especially in, in the Super Rugby. But I think these these, these good young guys there that I think um, if given the opportunity, like you said, to Marsh, they just need to embrace those challenges and, and kind of want to be there to compete and, and, and get better. And I think the, the more those guys kind of get to that space, I feel we'll start to see um, some of them really kind of come through, I reckon, maybe that second half when they play against some of those Aussie teams and stuff. So, um, yep. but, but the challenge is, is right here now against New Zealand teams, but again, um, Nico Jones is one of those. There's, there's a few other young boys across in that minor plus figure, but I feel they just need to get in there once they get the opportunity to really take it, take it full on. Uh, Pete Alatini with us here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. Uh, Peter, um, in terms of, you know, six weeks ago we saw that opening game where it was a, a, an opening game in terms of it was a warm-up game for Moana Pacifica against the Chiefs at the same place. Uh, what did you pick up that you thought had improved um, between that game and this game for Moana? I think, that they, you know, the times when they got that, that good ball, I mean, the tries they scored, I love the try that um, for my scored on the wing. Just being able to... Be able to kind of once they get kind of that go forward and get behind the line, the defence line, getting into space and, and guys finishing. So I think and I think the little set pieces at times is, is definitely better from from that first um, game. But I think again it's just you know those those key little things. I think the when you're playing against these teams, like I've said before, you can't drop off easy tackles. And, and Stowers, I felt like he's, he's been a solid rock for them and he's got good experience. And, you know, he went high on Tupo. You know, those little things, and, and they're the experienced guys. So if they don't keep leading from the front, these, these other young boys, you know, um, to look at. So, um, I mean, those, those are the key areas. I think when, it's just good that they, when they do, they're starting to recognise space and, and they go and kind of finishing is, is a good thing too. So they just need more of those opportunities and, and, and hopefully they can keep getting better at it. Peter Alatini with us here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Peter, thanks very much for your time on a Sunday afternoon, bro. We'll, we'll let you go back to getting your shirt off and running around on the beach and hitting those waves. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe taking the shirt off but not hitting the waves. Probably just watching from the farm, my mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good stuff, Peter. Go well, brother. Thanks, brothers.
Have a good one. Yeah, will do. Uh, this is the uh, Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping bun- businesses our trade. Of course, uh, we are on, but there is also uh, the cricket on. And if you want to catch up with the cricket, you can switch over to the app. If you're in the Auckland area and you want to keep listening to the uh, the cricket, uh, you can switch over to the app. New Zealand currently 139 for four, 16 overs to go. Maddie Green on 19, Katie Martin on one, currently at the crease if you missed it. Sophie Devine had to uh, retire hurt at the top of the inning. She looks like she's uh, copped a quad injury, running a quick single, so not sure if we're going to see her again today. But still to come on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, Phil Kearns is going to join us this hour to talk some uh, Super Rugby Pacific from an Australian point of view. Tom Atini again for Leofano. Chiefs defence holding up well as they move it across to the left. Now the lob pass gets it nicely across to Fumai and the left winger is in. That is a beautiful try by Nerio Fumai. And presents the ball again to Weber. Now Ritalik. Away it goes to Nankerville trying to get on the outside as Trust did it beautifully. Got it away to Nanarua and Imoni Narawa scores the Chiefs try, third try of the game just before half-time. Nice as Weber swings it away again for Gatlin, out of the centre field beautifully done and uh, now Slater looking to line up his support, couldn't quite find it though, Weber gets it quickly though and they move to the left and solid call to the power man beautiful offload and Jonah Lowe scores an outstanding try for the Chief and a penalty advantage not releasing once more as Gatlin Works it off. Now the charge by Trask just upended by Funaki as Weber sends it away. Nice inside pass. Tupu Vai striding for the line and he's under the bar. Tupu Vai. And the Chiefs still danger and stretching and oh, he almost got it to the line. Hands away on the line. I think it was Artu Moli there. And here is Sokola driving close and scoring. Playing the game at high pace here as Ioani. Now Tia Tia keeps going. And Tia Tia off to Brad Weber. And the little halfback in game number 101 gets another try. Just incredible tempo. It's there again for Inari. Now the man who scored... The second try against the Crusaders. Pino Anisi. Still there for Anisi. And they're appealing for a try and they've got one. Again, they hold the Chiefs. And they got another penalty advantage. Off it goes for Ioani. And straight through goes Alex Nankerville. Another one for the Chiefs. Perfect set move. Picks out Nankerville, who hits it at pace right in the hole. Tia Tia was the one that was the decoy runner. Perfect execution, Chief. Thompson with the line-out throw. Stretching up as Lord. And they're going to try and drive this initially anyway as Thompson slips to the back. Over 15. He's got a good turn of pace, Thompson, too. He may not need that though. He just stays with the ship and he dives through and he scores. So nine tries for the Chiefs tonight. That equals their most.
It's the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Bull, Justin Marshall with you and uh, some great co-coms there uh, from the man himself, Justin Marshall, with us uh, from last night. Moana Pacifica up against the Chiefs, mate. How good was, I think it was the second or last try, was that no-look pass from Chase Teatia to fall the uh, fullback and, and put Weber in under the, oh no, Lan- Nankerville under the posts. Yeah, brilliant. And it's vintage Chiefs at the moment, like the skill set across the board. You know, you look at a, a no-look pace uh, pass from Tia Tia, who, who could have quite easily run himself into problems. He was trying to look for support, and then, you know, the way that he manipulated that last defender in and then just sort of left the ball in the area that he knew Brad Weber would be was outstanding, and then he bounced back, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes prior to that. And uh, Peter Gus Sowakula and his offload, and, and even more ac- miraculous a situation where, again, he's just gone into two defenders and just with the right hand around the behind the back and left it in space, um, you know, for Jonah Lowe to run onto. So, look, they are playing with just massive confidence at the moment and um, they, they, they are really flexing their muscle in terms of their squad depth and really pushing Clayton McMillan week to week to week to select a, a form starting 15, which is a great position for him to be in. Yeah, and I mean, I know we're going to talk um, form All Blacks and, and, and things later on with Jeff Wilson in the uh, in the next hour, but I mean, a guy that I think we're going to have to uh, mention to Jeff in that conversation is Tupu Vai. I mean, giving, uh, you know, gives Clayton McMillan so much option, uh, whether it's starting at six and switching to the lock or starting at lock and, and covering six. I mean, he, he can do it all. He can he can play the tight game, but as we've seen, he's got a great offloading game. He's got, he's He's good on his feet. Uh, scored a great try in this game as well. Yeah, totally agree. And, and the one thing that I would say and comment on that is is probably keep him away from lock at the moment. I, I, he certainly is and has shown the ability to play there and play there well. But I, I, I believe that outside of that sort of traffic situation, he's the, the true player that the skill set that he brings to the game um, a scene in that jersey. I think when he's playing a little bit tighter and you're more having to clean rucks, uh, you're tighter to the defence, it doesn't utilise the skills he's getting. Like I remember when he burst onto the scene and, you, and uh, this particular run, I think it was against Australia at, at Eden Park, <laughs> galloping down the touchline because he was, he, he was in space. And what an athlete, you know. And I think probably the reason that he hasn't really kicked on from there is because, you know, the game has tightened up defensively a lot and it doesn't suit the way that he plays the game for him to be in the tight five. So I think long may he continue to play blindside flanker because he he gets what he's got to offer in physicality into the game still and defensively he's very strong. Um, but it certainly helps in terms of his offloading in the tackle, his offloading pre-contact, uh, and and his ability to um, you know break tackles and find space. And the other side of it um, is that he probably just needs to keep learning there. I think probably if he can learn to be a little bit more effective over the ball, which will mean a little bit of an adjustment in technique because he's a big man, so that he's a threat also at turning the ball over off uh, defensively, that brings another element of his game that I think he needs to work on for that position into the mix. So if you're um, Clayton McMillan at the moment, uh, mm. I mean, outside of your front row, is your pack, your, your starting pack, your your best pack is um, Retallick with Josh Lord and then Vie 
with uh, Kane and uh, Suakula and, and then Jacobson off the bench? Is that what, you, what you're thinking? Yeah, well, he's got an embarrassment of riches really now, has Clayton McMillan, because, uh, you know, um, the depth that he's, he's created, like, like McConnell's playing well as well, and he played well against the Crusaders <laughs> um, and kept Josh Lord, um, you know, out of that, out of the starting team. So, you know, they've also, they've also got, like you said, you've got the Beauchers there as well. Um, and, and equally, you know, they've got plenty of competition up front. Bradley Slater had an excellent game last night. Um, but uh, Samasone Taukiaho would have to be the form hooker of the tournament at the moment. And, um, and then equally, like, young Hamilton Burr, the open side last night, he was outstanding as well. So... Look, I think we, we, we spoke to Brad Weber after the game and the question was asked to him about you know the competition for places and how refreshing it is to see that people getting an opportunity and youngsters out there. And he, he sort of alluded to, he said, this has kind of been part of a, probably a, a three-year plan where they had exodus of players, they had injuries, they had the guys like Retallick going overseas. So players got opportunities. And, uh, and all of that development now, given those guys opportunities, plus... Um, people coming back into the side has just com- completely strengthened them. You know, and they've got, obviously, they lost Damien McKenzie. Everyone was going to go, oh, well, the Chiefs are done. <laughs> but, you know, the, the way Bryn Gatlin, look how much he's thriving in that environment, Bryn Gatlin. Um, and, you know, they've got Josh Iwane there as well. So, yeah, no, plenty to talk about with them. Holy moly, they are looking bloody sharp. They are very, uh, looking very sharp. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you uh, at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It is one twenty-eight. If you want to continue to uh, catch up with the cricket, you can do so on the app, the SENZ app. I can tell you we've just uh, lost another wicket. Uh, the White Ferns, Katie Martin, gone uh, LBW, uh, but uh, we will continue to bring you updates. Uh, the 150 is up for New Zealand, 151 for five. Leah Tahuhu in with Maddie Green, who was on 25 to who yet to score uh, in the 38th over. When we come back, we're talking to uh, Phil Kearns out of Australia to cover Super Rugby Pacific from his point of view. The Bunnings Trade Rugby Run here with Justin Marshall, Ricardo Ball uh, at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping businesses our trade. Just an update from the cricket. Leah Tahuhu uh, lasted three balls, gone for a duck. Uh, Sophie Devine has now come back to the crease after treatment. We'll see how she goes. I don't. I, I wonder how many singles she's going to be getting or if this is just about hitting to the boundary. But uh, your White Ferns' chances of progressing to the semi-finals of the World Cup looking as bleak as the Auckland skyline at the moment, Marshy. Um, it's pretty stormy up here. Um, so, uh, yeah, pretty black and uh, pretty windy. I don't know we're going to get a full game in. Um, we can't quite get Phil Kearns up on the on, on the phone at the moment, mate, but um, uh, based off what you've seen, of course, we saw uh, on Friday night the big clash out over in Australia, the Brumbies and the Reds, uh, the Brumbies winning that one by four. Um, it looks like it's those two, isn't it, really, out of Australia. Everyone else is playing for third pretty much uh, in, in Australia. Well, yeah, it's still entertaining, though, and look, I... You would think that those those two are going to probably battle it out for the, the top two spots. However, there are upsets that, that are quite possibly on the cards, like the Rebels' performance last night. You know, they they showed that they are a much better side than what they've been in the opening rounds, and uh, their, their performance was, 
you know, 50 times better. And they have got some really good talent within their ranks. And so, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll only get a little bit more confidence from that game, albeit they still lost. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they could still cause headaches for teams. Um, obviously, we've seen what the Fiji, Fiji and Drua can do. <laughs> um, and, and there's no harder place. Well, there's, there are hard places to go and play rugby. Alice Park is one of them, to be perfectly honest. Um, there are hard... <laughs> venues to go to. A lot of people will say uh, Rugby Park in Invercargill is a pretty shitty place to go and try and win a game of rugby, <laughs> especially in the middle of the winter. But um, and he's a, a hard place to go is Perth. Uh, and um, going down there and playing the force down there, especially, you know, given you get it late, later into the season, if they are out of the equation, they've got some players in there that can really open up a game. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion how that, that, that ladder's going to look um, once it is getting down to that final round and that round's completed but uh, all sides are still like I said capable of beating each other It's, uh, it's interesting actually watching uh, the force yesterday against the Drua um, it was probably the that I thought I thought the game of the round, to be honest, in terms of entertainment, um, the way that yeah, the way that game was played. But uh, I forgot that Jeremy Thrush was still playing over there, mate. At, at thirty six, him and Kahui, like the uh, the golden oldies, running around over over at the force. So I, I I could be wrong, but I reckon that Jeremy Thrush has been there just about long enough that uh, he could get called up by the Wallabies, couldn't he? He's he's, he's been there for a while over over in WA. He certainly has, and he's really enjoyed his time there. Like, his rugby's thrived, no doubt about the fact that he always plays it hard and uncompromising. Um, but, yeah, certainly, I don't know if he's, think he's in Dave Rennie's mix, to be perfectly honest. It's, <laughs> it's no slight on uh, Jeremy Thrush, but there's, when you're getting around that tender age of 36, uh, it's probably um, a little bit beyond um, thinking about that there's a future uh, Wallabies jersey. But, yeah, they have got some... You know, some players there that are defying time and defying their bodies, and it's great to see them still out there running around like they, I won't say they're like they're 21, but like they're in their late 20s, let's say. Uh, this is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Justin Marshall, Ricardo Ball with you, and joining us uh, out of Sydney is Phil Kearns, former Wallaby hooker. G'day, Phil. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. I mean, the, the, that that force team. I think Justin used the word um, uh, unpredictable. They are unpredictable at the moment. They've had moments where I thought they were going to tip uh, a couple of the big two over, um, you know, in Queensland and, and and the Brumbies. But then they lose to teams you don't expect them to lose to. Uh, where are the force for you and the reckoning for that? Austra- uh, you know, for the Australian side of things in Super Pacific. Uh, it, it's the inconsistency um, that, that kills them. You've, you've nailed it. But also, there are some some players there which which you know are really some marginal Super Rugby players, um, you know, and not really looking at international stars enough. And I think you know you've just been talking about Jeremy Thrush, um, who's you know playing some decent rugby, um, but you'd like to think there's a bit more depth coming through Australian rugby. Um, that having to rely on, um, no offence guys, 36-year-old Kiwis to bolster our team. <laughs> no offence taken, Kuzi. None whatsoever. <laughs> hey, good to hear from you, mate. Uh, I hope you're well. Um, I know that you've got water polo within your ranks of your family and you could, probably could have been playing water polo in your backyard without the swimming pool. Um, the, <laughs> the rain you've had over there recently, mate. Bloody hell, it was actually nice to watch some rugby where there was dry weather rugby in Australia. That's not the norm. We usually get it over here. No, it has been horrendous. And, 
and just being able to train has been difficult for a lot of our Super Rugby teams over the over the last three or four weeks, um, and uh, and that I think is showing through on a couple of the performances as well. Teams probably aren't quite as fluid as they'd like to be, um, you know, a little bit scratchy in in, in places, um, and that's been partly due to the difficulty in getting on training parks. Um, the force don't have that excuse. It hasn't been raining over there, and the and the guys in Melbourne, the Rebels, they, they've got no excuse. It hasn't been raining there. But certainly Canberra, uh, Brisbane and Sydney has been absolutely copping it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's rare to say this, but, yeah, the weather in New Zealand would have been much nicer. All right, mate. We'll, we'll cut through the crap nice and early. Let's get to either, <laughs> either your favourite subject or a subject that you're uh, reluctant to talk about. But let's break down the Waratahs. Um, I know that you watched uh, their performance in particular uh, last night. Um, uh, mate, are they are they a better side this year? Are they better balanced um, coaching wise? And you know, do they have the firepower to continue to compete, win more games, and and compete when they we, when we um, get the Trans Trans Tasman comp going? Yeah, they're, they're playing with a bit more ticker this year than they were last year. There's no doubt about that, and that comes down to to the coaching. Um, and the way the, the attitude that the coach instills in the team, you can see they're far more determined. Um, and just their results, you know, they've had a couple of losses, but, but the losses have been tight. Um, you know, they haven't been the runaway losses that they were last year. And, you know, when, when your defence is bad as it was last year, that's an attitudinal thing, and it's a team cohesion thing more than anything. Um, you know, you don't all of a sudden forget how to tackle. Um, the guys could do that, but just the, the cohesiveness of the defence last year was just awful. Um, actually, the last few years has been just awful. Uh, so the attitudes back in the side, which is great. There's some really good young guys coming through. Um, unfortunately, we lost the three to injury last night, um, which didn't help our performance in any way, shape or form. I mean, we know that there's some you know world-class player there in, in Angus Bell or a potential world-class player there. Losing him was a was a bit of a blow for us, and Donaldson's rugby's been improving as as the season's gone on as well. So that that was a bit of a blow um, as well. So, um, but you see the performance there. You know, guys like Gamble and and um, and Carl, Carlo Tizano, You know, two two babies really, and um, but but they've shown some firepower and some guts, and um, they'll, they'll determine. Um, so yeah, the, the Waratahs much better than they have been in the last few years. What about the back rowers? Um, you know, obviously, Michael Hooper missing, and you, you take somebody like that out of the mix and, and, and the regulars that we're used to seeing. Uh, now, these guys look pretty tough and uncompromising. Excuse, Forgive me for um, the, 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 the the guy that came off the bench number 20 last night. Yeah, he, look, he looks yeah, to be perfectly honest, but bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, no, he, 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 was, he was pretty tough, um, Carlo Tizano, and and I, I think, you know, our, our forwards are actually showing some good spirit and good fight. I think we're lacking some skill and depth in our back line, um, you know, particularly the particularly back three. Um, I think Harrison's doing a valiant job at fullback, um, but he, he had to slot in the number 10 last night when Donaldson went off. Um, but uh, So I think we're, we're missing a little bit there, and we're missing a little bit of flair and guile, I think, in the centres. Um, you know, we've got some power there and we've got some pace there, but... We need a bit more um, skill through the hands. And, uh, you know, it's something, unfortunately, that Australian rugby is going to take a while to recover from. But we, we stopped coaching skills for a long period there um, and coach structure. 
and um, there's no point having a structure if you haven't got the skill to play it. So, you know, we, we can see from our, our performances right across the Super Rugby teams, there are some players there that have really got to improve their um, just catching and passing ability, particularly passing. Um, and, uh, and you know, it goes, I guess, in terms of the hookers, we've just got the fire brigade coming past us now. Um, <laughs> we, we um, you know, our hookers need a fair bit of work in terms of their throwing ability. I was going to tap into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I won't be short of water that, that, if you want to pull over the side of the road if you need to fill up that fire engine. But um, what, what, have you, what have you made of all of the hookers across the board? Who, let's say you were picking right now the, the, the starting Wallaby hooker to play against the All Blacks, who would be stepping into that jersey in your mind? Yeah, I, I think um, the guy that gets uh, his set piece, I'm having a mental blank now, his set piece right the most is the Waratahs hooker, uh, Parecki, Dave Parecki. Um, he gets his yep. set piece right the most. Um, you know, the others have had too many mistakes uh, at critical times, just missing their throws or um, collapsing the scrum. Um, and you just you just can't have that. Um, you know, you get it at a test level and you're five metres out from the All Blacks line and your hooker misses the throw. Um, you just can't have that. So, um, you know, a fair bit of work needs to be done there. But if I was picking one today, it would probably be Parecki. Yeah, nice. What about the other side, um, Kunze? Like, if you think about the Fijian Drua and the way that they've come into the comp after week one, everyone was going, holy moly, this is going to be slightly embarrassing. They're going to get pumped by 50 points each week. But that hasn't happened. Um, and, and obviously we talked about the Reds and the Brumbies, they're obviously the two toughest, given that they're, you know, franchises that have been there and done that, as as have the Waratahs. Um, and, and then you throw the force into the mix. What about the, the, the form of the Rebels? Is that a concern, even though, though they were better last night? Uh, it is a concern. Um, you know, they've got some... They've got a few decent players on that side. Um, so I would have expected some slightly better performances from them. Um, so, yeah, the, the the Rebels and the Force really are a bit of a concern, I, I think. Although, you know, some of the games... The, the games have been, have been pretty tight, um, but it's just been the basic errors at the end. You know, I talked about the catching and passing before. It's been, the you know, critical times. You just get a pass that goes behind the man or into the shoulder of the man or just something... You know, those critical things, which is what the, the New Zealand teams and, you know, All Blacks in particular get right at critical pressure points when you've got to, you've got to nail a pass and make sure it's absolutely on the money. Um, your guys do it well and, you know, a bunch of our guys don't yet. Um, but I know that skill development is something all the Super Rugby teams here are working on. And that doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take a little while. I'm giggling away to myself about asking you this. But anyway, um, given that you... Uh, Always played with your heart on your sleeve, been an emotional man, made it very expressive. <laughs> what, what did you make of um, Carter Gordon's uh, response following the final uh, whistle last night? Obviously, the replacement 10 for the Rebels, he was in tears, almost inconsolable, like inconsolable, really, for only missing touch. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a um, shock to me to see. I didn't know a lot about him to see that sort of reaction. Is, is he 
sort of a guy that you know much about? And did, were you quite surprised for him to be that upset? No, he, he he's a brand newie, and I haven't seen him at all. In fact, when I saw him last night, I thought, my God, I haven't seen this bloke. Where's he come from? And <laughs> and he put in he put in this massive kick just before that, which um which was a cracker, and and um, got him out of trouble at one point, and uh, and actually I think they then lost their line-out throw. And I, I thought, oh, my God, this guy's actually all right. And then he put that kick in. Uh, you know, we've all done something wrong on a rugby field, haven't we? Um, well, you yeah. may not have, but I yeah. did. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we've all done something wrong. Um, and there were other things that went wrong in that game, um, apart from his kick, that, that didn't help um, their, their cause, the Rebels' cause. So, you know... Um, his teammates, no doubt, will get around him. Um, he's obviously blamed himself for the loss, but I, I think there are a few other factors. He needs to go back and have a look at the video and, and just see where the other boys made mistakes, like the crooked line-out throws or, a, um, you know, a, a, a sin bin, the yellow card that happened along the way. Um, you know, yeah. there are other things in his kick, kick that lost the game. Phil, uh, I know Tate McDermott's been... Yeah, Tate McDermott's been out for a while for the Reds, but they seem to have uh, found a couple of halfbacks and Kalani Thomas um, to to fill that void at the moment. And another bloke, and as a you know, as an Aussie, I know you blokes love a good nickname. Uh, came off the bench last night, number twenty one, Spencer Jeans. It sounds like the old the shop in the old village used to go get your five oh ones. Surely that bloke's nickname is five oh one, isn't it? Have you, uh, do, do you know? Uh, no, I don't. See, this is another new a newie on the scene that that, that I haven't seen coming through the ranks before. There's a whole bunch of them which are actually quite exciting, and they're, they're showing a little bit of ability. But yeah, the, the 501s, I, I, was ne- I never had great legs, so being jeans didn't really get on that well. So the, the 501s didn't match my um, calipigious um, uh, body shape. And calipigious, for you blokes that don't know, means having shapely buttocks. <laughs> Yeah, I do actually, mate. I'm just taking a breath to see whether or not you're talking about yourself. But um, <laughs> hey, look, um, as always, really impre- appreciate your insight. Um, you've given up your time also on a Sunday, so thanks for that. Um, and hopefully we can uh, chat to you later on in the season. But have a good rest of the day, mate, and thanks for joining us. No problem, gents. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, this, thanks very much. Uh, Phil Coons there with his former Wallaby hooker, of course, absolute legend of the game in Australia. We are 11 away from 2 o'clock here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball. Yes, seven away from two here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. If you want to listen to the cricket and you're an Aucklander, then just download the SENZ app and uh, the co- the commentary will be there live for you. will be back here too after three o'clock. Currently the White Ferns, 180 for eight uh, with, what are we, six, they're in the 44th over, halfway through the 44th over. So struggling a wee bit to put on a decent score in this one. Have you had a text through on the Temper Bedpost text machine, Marshy? Uh, no, no, guys. Uh, we try to lock it six and Barrett and that didn't end well stick with a specialist that's from Ken um, I don't know that uh, we were saying that he's a lock that plays six he, uh, you were saying when we were talking about Tupu Vai that he's more a six than a lock correct? Yes yeah no, and I agree like, I think the experimentation with Scott Barrett's gone he's a different style of player and I certainly think that uh, we thought that he'd have the balance to be able to play to play both and move between those positions uh, and I think we've learned in the past that players can't do that, shouldn't do that. I think it, there was one year, it was possibly that game in Chicago that we lost where we had Jerome Kano playing lock mm. at one stage. And 
it just doesn't work. No, no. My point is being, and and I, I want to make that clear, that I feel that's his best position, and I think he should stick at that position. He shouldn't move between the two. I certainly think with his skill set that that's the position where we can utilise what he brings to the game in all departments better than when he's playing lock. Yeah, there you go. All right, this is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. At Bunnings Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. In the next hour, Tony Brown, the Highlanders coach, is going to join us to talk Six Nations. He's been up all night watching that for us. Jeff Wilson also in the next hour as well. We're going to talk some All Blacks, potential boulders in uh, the form of current All Blacks as well. We're going to do that all in the next hour right here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball. Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. The boots out. Well, the timbers up very fast indeed. Off goes the whippet and he's through. Capuzzo is through. He might be away here. Oh, Capuzzo! And he gets support from Panamani. The Romans on the run. Have they found the gladiator within at last? Big moment. Needs a big heart. Strike. Sit through the post. And the whistle goes. The Italians are heroes all. 36 Six Nations defeats in a row has been ended with their first ever away victory at the Prince of Palony Stadium. Gabisi is the man to take that kick. How instrumental has he been to the resurgence of this Italian team? And it means that the Italians have won for the first time since 2015 in the Six Nations. Wales 21, Italy 22. Yeah, the Romans on the rampage uh, in Wales uh, this morning, uh, the early win, and yeah, after 36 losses in a row, what a way to uh, end that streak, Marshy, here on the Bunnings Trade rugby run. Um, what a try, too. It was a 60-metre effort, and what a run from the fullback. Oh, it certainly was. Uh, you know, the fact that they never gave up, and they stuck in that game, you know, right to the bitter end, and, you know, the I, I guess... When you look at Italy in terms of the Six Nations, it's one of those awkward situations where it's the token win for the other side. And I know that sounds bad, but that's just the reality of the way that it's been. Um, you know, and, and their winning ratio uh, shows that. So, you know, for them to finally cause an upset and, and to get a win, and, and particularly that being away from home, um, you know, look, look, there certainly was a lot of changes in the Welsh side, and Teams tend to do that where they know that they can still put out a reasonably strong side but not as strong as what they could have and get away with the win. Well, um, Wales were very much caught on the hop and uh, Italy deserved their win. Do you think that um, will... You know, I mean, Wales have had a lot of Kiwi coaches over the last sort of 20 years, mate. Um, not always been popular appointments. Uh, where do you think that leaves Wayne Pivak? Oh, look, I think Wales have in a bit of a regrouping stage. Uh, obviously, they uh, haven't had um, Alan Wynne-Jones for the majority of the tournament. He, this was his first game back, I think, since the first round. Uh, but, 
you know, guys like that missing doesn't count. Uh, they've certainly um, had players unavailable early on and injured, so there's plenty of potential there. We, when you look at this game, you know, they still created enough, particularly in the opening 20 minutes of the match. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't capitalise on, on any of that pressure. I think they spilt the ball three or four times and were, were victims of, of their own demise there, and, and the, the game eventually caught them up, even albeit by miraculous sort of circumstances. So, look, I, I certainly don't think that his, um, his head is on the chopping block at this stage, um, but it will be a bit of a fresh awakening um, that, you know, things uh, aren't easy and you need to keep, keep, keep making sure that you're winning games you should be winning, and uh, that was one that they should have won, and that won't go down well with the Welsh public. It won't. You can guarantee that. Uh, obviously, the Italians... Actually, this tournament, I thought they started all right. You know, they they, they had a tough assignment. They had to go to Paris first up, uh, and they caused the French some problems. I mean, I, I'm in a picking comp, mate, and I had France winning that by 30. Um, and, yeah. you know, I mean, in the end, I think they pulled away in that last 10 minutes. But, I mean, it was right in the mix. The Italians were very, very close at half time, and they caused the French a lot of problems. Unfortunately, they didn't have that consistency through all of their games after that. But at the start of the season, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe, the, the, the you know, we're going to see something else out of Italy. Well, they're a different side than the, than the side that we've seen, you know, two to three years ago. I think under Kieran Crowley, he certainly installed some fight. Um, they, there's no doubt they always always play with an extreme amount of passion, and and that's fantastic. But that only gets you so so far. You've got to play with that passion and that desire, but you've got to have it in a controlled manner. And it certainly was one of those situations whenever you're playing Italy, just to weather that passion and that storm that they'll throw at you, and then technically they, they would break down and obviously run out of puff. Um, they're a lot better composed now and look like they're a lot more measured, which is a credit to, to Kieran Crowley and the way that he's coached them. Let's think all the way back to November last year, uh, last year and the problems they caused the All Blacks. You know, the All Blacks couldn't for 80 minutes work out how to break them down apart from um, set-piece. I think I think possibly we got four tries from rolling more on that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dane Cole's got a couple, and whoever was the other starting hooker. Sorry, my memory's not that great. Um, on that day, he scored the other two, and that was the only way the All Blacks could figure out to beat Italy on the day. So, yeah, they are a much better side, and um, it goes to show that the sides in the Six Nations this year that have had to face them have had to be on their mental and have had to play well to, to beat them. Um, so goes to show that that quality of that tournament certainly has lifted and I think we've all seen that the, the, the rugby that's been played in the Six Nations this year has been simply outstanding The other thing with the Italians and I know it's been a conversation about how uh, you know, you've got to give them time in the tournament um, to, for the pathways and things to open for them to get to that level uh, and I know they've been in there 20 years or something but we did also see earlier this year, and I don't know how much stock you put in this, but in the under-20s, there's an under-26 Nations, and the Italians beat England mm. in the under-26 Nations as well, so obviously they've got quality coming through. Wow, you have done your homework, Ricardo. Congratulations <laughs> to you, because I didn't know that, but that is that is interesting, isn't it? And I think the one thing that we are here in New Zealand really suffering with at the moment is our lack of being able to progressively bring the players through that we have in the past. And the fact that the New Zealand under-20s haven't played for three years, I think it is now, 
um, the current under-20 um, franchise tournament has been postponed, which was supposed to start at the end of this month. Um, and the New Zealand under-20s have only been a paper team. Um, and obviously that's COVID-related, but the, the rest of the world have moved on, and in particular uh, that part of the world. So their development is coming through, and there's no more testament to that stepping stone than what France are achieving at the moment. Um, only one player uh, in their side today that was over 30, 31, and um, that was the reserve lock that came on. So the nucleus of that French side was the French under-20 side that was so successful uh, in winning um, the tournament back when Dupont and co. were involved into Max. So... Yeah, that's quite scary information that you've given me, Ricardo. That there's actually a Six Nations under twenty now, and, and Italy, and Italy are, are beating England. Man, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic news. I did, I did have to laugh, and I know we're going to get onto this uh, conversation in a minute, but we'll hear from Kieran Crowley shortly uh, because he spoke post match. Uh, but I heard. Um, uh, Martin Gillingham, who was doing com- uh, the commentary today on England France, saying, uh, quoting Eddie Jones, is saying, uh, "The next time we're in Paris, we'll be playing for the World Cup." Uh, mate, the way England have been tracking, uh, I mean, that's great, Eddie Jones bravado, mate. But if they can't get past third in the Six Nations, what makes he, makes him think he's going to make the final of a, of a World Cup? Oh, look, I've been coached by Eddie, uh, and he loves winding up the media. I know that much. Um, this is one of his favourite games, uh, and he's not he's not afraid to make a bold statement. Uh, so. I'm not surprised to hear him saying that. Um, he, he, he likes to cre- create the tension uh, in other areas so that he can let his players get on with what they're doing. But, look, I think, again, they're another side that's been victim of quite a few injuries. Um, but, you know, come come Rugby World Cup time, England, you would have to say, uh, always there or thereabouts. Somehow, some some for some reason, they get themselves, um, you know, sort of set and ready for Rugby World Cup. So... Uh, as long as Eddie survives, um, I would be very surprised if they're not um, competitive, even though, like you say, they've finished third in this current Six Nations. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. It's interesting you say if he survives, because it's third this time round, and they only won two games. Last year, they finished fifth in the Six Nations, and the only thing they beat was Italy. Um, you know, So that, I, I would suggest, is as cause for concern if you're England rugby. And also the other thing is the lack of tries. I mean, uh, I think England in the Six Nations have only scored outside of the Italy game, and they, they pantsed Italy uh, in Rome, but outside of the Italy game, they've only scored three tries in four games. So they're just not creating. No, they're not. And they're obviously they've had lots of changes, uh, including, you know, the, the general and, and uh, Owen Farrell. Um, and they've, they've brought on uh, the young the young guy Marcus Smith, and um, he's he's been very good, hasn't he, in stepping into those big shoes of Owen Farrell. Let's face it, uh, he's a, a British and Irish lion two times round, and um, he's been you know at the forefront of England's um, generalmanship for a very long time. So that doesn't help when, when you lose a player of that caliber uh, and also they've had their fair share of injuries you know you don't you don't have the um, Vunipolos out there uh, mm. and you know they've had, they've, they've had a lot of disruption and the sides that he's been naming has shown that so when they are good England yes they play good rugby and they have the ability to score tries and they, they get they get good rhythm but I think they've been a very pieced together disjointed side this entire Six Nations and it's due to all of those things that I've just just mentioned so 
yeah, I think he'll be looking for a lot more consistency. I know uh, there's a lot of players out there that he's been pressured to select, but he won't select them unless he knows that they're going to fit into his regime. I very much know that about Eddie. Yeah, well, we should hear from Eddie, actually, because he did speak uh, post-match. Let's hear from Eddie Jones, the England coach, after that loss to France. They were a bit too good for us today, and, and we've got to admit that. Um, but did we play with spirit? Did we play with fight? Did we, we take it to them in the second half? Did we have opportunities to win the game? We had all of those, but we're not quite good enough at the moment. We acknowledge that, but there's an opportunity with this team and, and particularly some of the young players that have come through to really grow over the next 12 months. And next time we come here, we'll be playing for the World Cup trophy. Because that's what you want, isn't it? You want this fanfare to be about England just as the fans do. How do you convert what we're seeing on the field now to getting into that World Cup winning position? Yeah, well, we're making good progress. You just look at the young players we've got out there. 9, 10, 15, Chesham, Don Brandt. There's a whole, whole host of young players coming through. And when you get in this period where you've got some of the older players finding themselves and some of the younger players coming through, you don't get that consistency performance that leads to winning championships and leads to being in a position to win championships. But we'll get there. But fans and everyone, you know how impatient everybody yeah. is. Um, in terms of summing up this campaign, three losses for England, what are your emotions standing here? Uh, disappointed. Disappointed, you know, disappointed for the fans, disappointed for the players. Um, I obviously haven't done a good enough job and I acknowledge that, but having said that, I know we're moving in the right direction. And you can see every game we've played, we've played with such spirit, such cohesion. What we haven't got is just a finesse to, to turn opportunities into points when we, when we can win games. Yeah, that's uh, England coach Eddie Jones from Sky Sports earlier this morning talking post-match after the game uh, here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Justin Marshall, Ricardo Ball with you. What did you make of those comments, Marshy? Uh, uh, he wasn't too deflective. He kind of was. He took it on himself, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And, and that's, like I said, that's his style. Um, he knows Eddie's been under pressure. I think there were two to three uh, instances during the week where there were headlines you know, speculating that if he didn't win this French game that, that that he had to go. So he would have been aware of those headlines uh, and, and he kind of alluded to it, didn't he, when he said, you know, like, I feel responsible and it is my responsibility. But look, like, like I said, you can only you can only work with um, the tools that you've got in your shed and when you've got other tools that are broken and, and getting fixed, well, you've just got to try and get through as best you can. Uh I certainly think they've taken a massive step backwards in the way that I know Eddie would like them to play and the way that we've seen them play sort of around the Rugby World Cup time, uh, 2019. You know, that's a, a good over a good two years ago now. Mm. Um, so that I think that's quite relative to, like I said, personnel. Um, and they, 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 they've not got strike power where they had it. So because of that, they've gone a bit conservative in their game plan. Uh, Look, to be perfectly honest, we might as well sort of touch now on, on that on that game, um, the France-England game, because it was, it was a hell of a battle, obviously, for the Six Nations crown from France's perspective. Um, it was still a very good game of rugby, but I was really surprised about the, uh, the tactics of both sides, and this is off the back of what I'm saying about the way England are playing. But they kicked the absolute hell out of the ball in that mm. first half. Like... <laughs> The, 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 they, they, the, the halfbacks kicked it that many times. Um, 
Marco Smith, he kicked it away countless times. Uh, Jamini was kicking it. Um, everybody that um, got the opportunity to actually take two steps with the ball decided that the best thing to do was kick it. <laughs> so, you know, we've just been waxing lyricals the whole you know, campaign about how good this rugby has been because it's been rugby with ball in hand. But uh, this game, um, particularly in the first half, didn't live up to that. But I wondered just whether or not that was a England because that's the only way that they are able to play at the moment. They just have to play within themselves. And B France just got a little bit overawed by the situation and went away from what they've been good at. Well, that was the, uh, the thing that I noticed, particularly um, with the French with ball in hand when they did keep it in hand, was how much um, space they created on the edges of the ruck. And it seemed not to be overly te- uh, technical. It was just one out and then inside pass. How many times did they one out inside pass it and then make 10 metres? Yeah, they're just so strong and, and, and tough, and particularly up front. Like their, their loose forwards and their ability... To, to be able to offload, uh, and then you've got a threat like Dupont sneaking around there as well. Uh, both their wingers um, coming in, looking for work. Uh, you know, they, they, they just have this ability to continually offer all sorts of players in through that ruck zone, and they're all looking for work. And when you've got particularly forwards, front rowers, second rowers, Lucy's that can stand in the tackle and pop passes, um, it brings in defenders and then creates space in those areas. It does. The other thing I thought, uh, which didn't maybe get caught, uh, up enough because you had an all-English commentary crew, but in that first half, if the French hands were a bit better, um, that could have gotten ugly because there were about three or four opportunities where French players were in space and didn't hold on to the pill. Yeah, there was. Absolutely, there was. And, uh, you know, they... They were a little more inaccurate than what they have been. Uh, you know, passes that have been sticking uh, didn't stick, and because of that, uh, there were errors, and they were errors usually on mini line breaks or or by by bending the line and uh, time and space where they've usually been capitalising on it. They just shelled a few and knocked a few uh, knocked a few on or made some errors that they haven't been making. Um, it's very easy. They're a young side. Uh, this is the first time, I think it's in 11 years, that they've, they've um, won the Six Nations uh, and completed the Grand Slam. And, uh, you know, that, that probably weighed pretty heavy on a lot of those young shoulders and, and the expectation with a full house uh, in Paris. You know, all, all of those things combined. You know, the French, we, as we know, are emotional people too. Um, so, yeah, probably just upset their rhythm a little bit. I think when we were chatting about, I was chatting about France and have been chatting about them recently. Is, is the biggest and most noticeable transition that they've made is they've, they've completely extricated their, uh, their, their inconsistency out of their game. Um, you know, we always talked about playing the French and it was like, oh, which French team's going to turn up, and blah, blah. And that was literally what could happen. You know, I experienced that personally, you know, where. In 2000, um, we, we, we played them in Marseille and you know, we were a way better side and, and they just came out like men possessed and we, I think they put 40 points on us. We still scored 32 or something. But you know, and then again in 99 at the Rugby World Cup. So then, they, then you could beat them the following week by 40, but that's gone. And I think um, that was the first time I've just seen a slight little wobble in their their in, in their consistency, but it was only minor. 
And I think you've got to say that, uh, you know, with a World Cup on the horizon at home, this this uh, experience of the way that that England game went and the fact there's so many young guys and they managed to hold it together and finish the game out, get the game over the line, will, will do them some real good in terms of performing under pressure and closing a game out. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's no doubt about the fact that I know Eddie Jones uh, would have liked to have gone there and really upset that French party big time. And he would have got his players feverish about that. And regardless of the side that he put out there, they, they would have had a real let's spoil this attitude. No, that, that he thrives on that sort of thing, Eddie Jones, and that's what his messages would have been all week. You know, let's not have them parading around the field. Let's, um, you know, sweep the carpet from under their feet. Let's, you know, completely destroy their dreams. Uh, so, you know, you, you throw that in there, and the opposition are niggly and are never going to go away. You know, as, as, as brilliant as you can be. And when the French scored their tries, they were simply brilliant. You know, when Siku scored that first try, the line breaks, um, you know, they, they, they were outstanding. And, and then he found the space eventually. And, you know, it wasn't through lack of England scrambling really well and defending like nothing else. It was just sheer French brilliance. But they still never went away, England. They just kept hanging in there and hanging in there. So, yeah, that, that, I think that would be a lesson to, to those young French players that, expectation would have weighed on them a bit, but you've still got to go out there and execute, regardless of what's up for grabs, whether it's the Six Nations crown, a Rugby World Cup um, trophy, or it's just simply beating a team on their day. Talking Six Nations here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. I can tell you the White Ferns all out for 203 um, in the 49th over some awful running, awful running, Marshy. Uh, they were coming back for oh. the second. They were both halfway down and then Maddie Green went, no, go back. Like, you know, it was oh, no. it was one of those. So, uh, yeah, I think they got a, their work cut out to beat uh, the Poms uh, in the Cricket World Cup. Uh, we'll go back to that commentary after 3 o'clock. But here on the Rugby Run, when we come back, uh, we're going to hear from Kieran Crowley, the Italy coach. Just really proud. <laughs> you know, the boys, um, there's a bit of adversity during the week. We had a few, bit of sickness in the camp. Um, they were out on their feet in the last uh, 30 minutes. But, um, you know, they just dug in and... The positive about it was they kept playing, you know, kept believing. Defence was outstanding, um, you know, so, yeah, and they stuck at it. And, uh, you know, now everyone won't be able to say we've lost 36 in a row or whatever it is. So we're happy about that. Is there a wee tear in your eye? Uh, there was up there because there was a lot of uh, emotion. I mean, Marius Goosen, our defence coach, six years he's been, you know, he hasn't won a Six Nations game and now he's won one, so... There is a lot of emotion, and you know, you'd think we'd won the World Cup, but you know, it's uh, they've got to enjoy this because they're a young crew, and they got to, you know, they got to learn how to win, and they've done that today. Yeah, they did do that indeed. Italy getting up over Wales in the Six Nations, uh, and good to hear from Kieran Crowley, mate. He, he sounded happy, Marshy, didn't he? Rightly so, too, Ricardo. When you think about where they've had to get to, um, you know, and, and the level that they've had to reach, and when you hear him talking about fact that it wasn't all plain sailing during the week and then you head away from home and leave players that you probably want in your team behind and have to try and win uh, away from uh, home like you haven't ever done um, is never an easy task so I can understand that this has been a real hard piece of work in progress 
from Kieran Crowley's perspective. And look, you'd have to say thoroughly deserved. You know, they, they've fought hard this entire Six Nations, and they've been building really nicely. Uh, you know, you feel that that they have had this upset at some stage in their system if everything went right for them on the night. And fortunately for them, it did. You know, Wales, like I said, missed some chances to probably take the game away from Italy early in the match, didn't capitalise on them, stayed in the fight, like he just said in that interview, and then when it came down to that one moment in the game that they usually probably are the ones on the receiving end of, (laughs) when they've they've been fighting away all match, and then a team will, will produce a sensational play by a, an individual um, or an X-Factor player that takes the game away from them. Well, they did that to someone else. And uh, I can imagine the relief and emotion, and you could hear it in his voice. He was very proud and deserves to be. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the other game that we uh, haven't talked about, of course, is Ireland beating uh, Scotland 26-5. Mm. Uh, the Irish doing what they could uh, to put themselves in a position to win the Six Nations if uh, England had upset the French. But I want to talk more about the Scots. I mean, they had a good season last season. This season they started by winning the Calcutta Cup. Uh, then they go and lose to Wales in Wales. Um, they weren't great against... Um, in, uh, sorry, they weren't great against the Italians. And, of course, they had that game against the French as well, which is, was probably their second best performance of the season, I think, after the England win. Do you think the French have in, uh, the, the Scots have inherited that inconsistency from the French? Because they play good rugby at times, but then they lose games you don't expect them to lose or struggle when you don't expect them to struggle. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it would be very hard to inherit that historically, but you, you could in a couple of seasons. So, yeah, quite possibly. Like, there's no doubt that they are a really tenacious side. They always are. And whenever I ever played against Scotland, they always fronted, they obviously had that uh, and still do have that uh, enigma of history hanging over them, never beating the All Blacks, so you're going to get a pretty passionate side that are looking to change the course of history on you Uh, that's without debate Um, but it's all always been about for them just getting um, you know, the right things in motion in their game and playing to their strengths and I I think they get a little lost sometimes at what those strengths are, you know, they've introduced the next factor, uh, like the Thunder Mervers into their side and, and the Finn Russells and players that can open a game up, you know, Sean Maitland, you know, players that have the ability to score tries, but you've still also got to make sure that you're adhering to making sure that you play to what is traditionally strengths of your game. And that, for me, has always been the fight at the breakdown with Scotland. They're always very good, always had good Lucys, work hard, uh, and, you know, really uncompromising type five and, and you know, they've had to adapt to the modern game and become ball players and learn how to shift the ball, the type five, um, and so have the Lucys. Uh, and I just wonder if they've gone one step too far in their progression where they now look a little lost as into exactly the t- type of style they want to play. Now, Greg Townsend's a great coach. Um, I think he's just probably got to piece together exactly how he makes all of those combinations and those strengths combined with what can make them weak uh, together to make them a consistent side. Once he figures that out, um, they'll they'll be hard work week in week out, and we'll 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 start beating teams more consistently. Yeah, indeed they will. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with you at Bunnings Trade, helping business is our trade. When we come back, we're talking All Blacks with Jeff Wilson. 
It's uh, 26 away from three here on SENZ and you're with us on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Just an update on the cricket, 203, the White Ferns all out. England going to start that chase soon and New Zealand will have to uh, do that without their captain. Sophie Devine, she's not going to take the field. So Amy Satterwaite will be uh, running the ship for us. Uh, joining us now though from FMG Stadium is uh, Jeff Wilson. G'day mate, how are you? Good, how are we going? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. We wanted to get you on to talk uh, about the All Blacks. Uh, talk about you know the the current All Blacks that you think have been doing a good job, and maybe a few that uh, maybe fringe or or bolters that might have put their hand up so far uh, this season in the uh, Super Rugby Pacific. And uh, one that uh, Justin Marshall and I were talking about earlier was Tupu Vai. Uh, certainly a new All Black last season, but man, he's he's making a great fist of things at the Chiefs and and looking every inch a. Uh, a six at the moment. Yeah, look, through necessity, the Chiefs have had to play him on the blindside flank uh, in a couple of games already this season. And look, if you look around the globe and you look at the Six Nations, um, just being played last night, the size and and uh, physical nature of the contest, you know, whether or not he puts his hand up and says, you know what, I'm capable, athletic enough to play in the six jersey. It's probably the one jersey, jersey team that I don't think we're settled on. It's one that we don't know who it is because... A couple of years ago, uh, they looked at Scott Barrett as being that guy. He's now well and truly uh, regarded as a lock, uh, and we're still certainly searching for that um, for that player. So, look, there's no doubt I've liked what I've seen from him. Whether or not that's a, a path the All Blacks would go down, I'm not 100% sure, but I just think the whole balance of the loose forward trio and the, the form of players we've got, we've just... We've got a raft of guys that can do a raft of different things. The trouble is, what's the combination of them? What do you do with Sam Kane and Artie Savia and you know these guys? And, and where does it leave a Hoskins Satutu and a Kira Ioane and Scott Barrett? It, it, Ethan Blackadder. I mean, it, it, I'm glad I don't have this headache, but I think Tupavai is one of those players now. I think you can say he's got the versatility to possibly play the position. Hey, Goldie. Hey, thanks for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, off the back of that... Um, where, where do you feel we're at from what you've seen in these opening rounds of Super Rugby in terms of our, our game pattern, the style of game that we're going to need to play to go and take on, say, the Six Nation champions, France, at the moment, with ball in hand, compete and win a Rugby World Cup? Are we playing the right game plan for our players? Oh, that's a million-dollar question. It is a million-dollar question. And so much of that comes down to selection about how they, they pick this side and what it is they're expecting them to do. And look, there's no doubt what we've seen from the Northern Hemisphere. It certainly opened our eyes to where we're at in comparison to where a couple of other teams are, particularly, and we saw it even this morning, France were a, a next level uh, than England. England just didn't have the necessary skill set. France had that ability, and they played pretty conservative today, they were in terms of trying to go out and win a Six Nations. They were, but they still looked really good when they decided to have a go. They were outstanding. Ireland proved once again they are clearly in that conversation. So, like you've just said, it's it's where are we at? I think after last season, you'd have to think that we're asking ourselves some questions about what is the pathway for us to go ahead and win a Rugby World Cup? Because right now, you'd have to say France are the favourites. They're the team that have, have put the runs on the board. They've, they've beaten the All Blacks. They've gone out and now won the Six Nations. Their players are well and truly on the up. They've got some wonderful individuals. But what I've been impressed with is the fact that 
their bench comes on and they lose nothing. And if anything, they become they become even more physical. They just don't lose the contact area, and that'll be to me one area. Um, I've never just seen when when France want, want quick ball, they get it. You know, they've got this wonderful long place, they've got this wonderful clean, and when they want to go, they can go. That's the question mark I'd have right now. So, look, I, I think it's it's one of these really difficult situations, Marcy and Ricardo, that we've got a lot of players who have been incumbent All Blacks for a long time who are great All Blacks. It's just whether or not in the next 15 months they're the, they're the answer to your question about how are we going to play and are they the, the players to take us to a, a Rugby World Cup in France? Oh, good, because I want to hit you with a $2 million question then. <laughs> um, yeah. Well... Wait, why? Why are we talking about France and, and Ireland and not any longer being the innovators and South Africa? What, what, why have we all of a sudden fallen down and now we have to look at the way they're playing the game to improve? Like everybody used to want to emulate the All Blacks and get to their level, their tempo, their speed, but now, and their physicality. But now we're going, man, we, we need to look at what they're doing and get there. How the hell has that happened to us so quickly? Well, look, I think the interesting thing is the fact I'm not necessarily sure other teams are more physical than us. I just think they use their physicality in some ways in a better way. And there's no doubt as well for, I suppose, leading into the 2019 Rugby World Cup, we were searching for a game plan to deal with pressure. Pressure that South Africa and England brought to us. Um, but I think what we've even seen now is the fact we were still trying to deal with it. We didn't quite realise a way to do that. Um, but what I would say now is I think we've actually got probably more options selection-wise in some ways for the next Rugby World Cup. I think what we're seeing is some guys who have developed through the opportunities last year, big squads, played a lot of test matches, um, the formula now is, and like I think we just we were still trying to deal with something that I think other teams moved past and almost didn't mm. didn't um, I suppose didn't suffer from as much as we did, um, you know. And I look, I, I think we'd all agree we just it's like we never quite had that chemistry going into 2019, like we just never quite had that that all round connection that you felt as though we could really get on a roll and break break teams open and bust them. You know, it was like it was hard work for us. I just think that that's where what we're seeing overseas is that they've worked it out with a group of players, a young group of players. That's what I can't be, you know, that's what I'm really impressed about is Ireland and France are a young group of, of men that over the last three to four years have just developed and and then gone to the next level. So I think we were we were stuck trying to win a game that we didn't quite have success against. And then other teams have been focused on doing something a little bit different and we just haven't quite maybe adapted. But look, that's the job of these all-black coaches now. They've got to find this team, right? They've got to find the guys. And I think there'll be some... I think there'll be a lot of players about six weeks' time who are who are under pressure um, to, to be a part of that, that yeah. uh, test match series against Ireland. Now, the challenge is, though, um, how, do you, how do you make space for the new talent? I mean, there's a lot of incumbents. A lot of guys have played a lot of test matches. Here's one for you, then. Have, have we fallen away since we're not regularly playing Super Rugby against South African sides? No, I don't think so. Because uh, I don't think the South African sides are anywhere near as strong as they used to be. 
so many of their international players uh, heading off, uh, playing offshore. Look, we've got to remember that we didn't play, um, we didn't play South Africa not last year, but the year before, because they chose not to be part of the rugby championship. So there's no doubt that we, I'm sure we have missed that, but we still know what to expect from South Africa. Like other teams don't get to play South Africa every year either. Other, other teams in the Northern Hemisphere don't get to play in Super Rugby, right? So, so yeah. I don't think that can be anywhere in an excuse. I mean, you can't tell me, Marsha, you, you tell me. We've got the talent in New Zealand to beat South Africa and to beat England, to beat France, to beat Ireland. Yeah. We've got it here. I mean, we see it every weekend. Um, it's about getting a, that cohesive unit to be able to, 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 to formulate the right game plan and select the right team to go out there and win that. Now, that's like, so that, that, that onus is on, um, is on uh, Ian Foster and his, his coaching team, and, and Joe Smith's going to come in as part of the selection group to find, find a way for that, um, that team to come together. But we shouldn't underestimate two guys, eh? Look, this is international footy we're talking about. This is no walk in the park. Like this, there's no expectation. You should have no expectations that we should go out and win every test match. You know, we, we had about 10 years, right, where, or not even that, about eight years, where we just had a remarkable rugby team. And that, that you know, was led by Richie McCaw and great players. Um, you know, this group, this group hasn't quite realised that potential yet. They haven't got to that level. That's not easy to do. Uh, and other teams are allowed to be good. Um, it's just not often we're having this conversation about it seems as though we're chasing, which is, which is unusual. I guess probably just the reason why I said that is because I feel like predominantly, apart from a handful of games last year, we've been figuring out a way to see how to beat each, beat each other, how to beat, beat our own skills, just how to get around yeah. our own style of defence and our own set of skills that defensively we have to shape up to. We've not got really anything else being thrown at us because we've been bashing each other for three years trying to figure out how to beat ourselves rather than what the rest of the world are doing. Mate, that is a great assessment of the fact that we know each other too well here in New Zealand. We really, yeah. really do. We run very similar systems, so it's easy to prepare for in terms of our systems defensively and, and on attack. And when you haven't necessarily been working on a set of skills to break down that defence for a long period of time, all of a sudden there's just a stalemate that goes on, that happens. And we, we, mm. we're struggling with that right now, you know. And, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, that... that I'm not sure 100%. You know, um, you know, we're we're winning the collision above the ball um, because the race to the ball is so very very even because there's that, that familiarity you're talking about and, and that's working against us. That's working against us in some ways, um, and that's why we really do need to get over and play against Australian teams. But by the same token, we've still got enough Test matches to work this out, right? You know, there's, there's still. We've still got Ireland. We'll still play Australia, South Africa, Argentina. There's still plenty of opportunities yep. to do that. Um, but I think you're, you're bang on. Your assessment is 100% right, that we know each other so well that we get into arm wrestles because you know, we, we, we are playing such a similar style. But also we know what to expect from the individuals so well. You know, there's no, we don't, we're never surprised by a player because that player has played against each other a half a dozen times. Jeff, just some picking up on something you said there. You said that uh, you know it's obvious looking at the teams when they play that we've got the talent uh, in this country and the numbers in this country to compete. It's just how we put them together. So that would suggest that the onus is on the coaching group. Um, I, I don't know if what you said suggests that you don't think this this is the right coaching group or the right mix or the right leadership. But where are you on that? Well, I'm certainly uh, I, I certainly look at uh, Ian Foster and his coaching group and, and go. You know what? Um, 
they obviously earned the right. Uh, they, they, when they went in, Foster went and interviewed for the job. They believed he was the right man for the job. He has been endorsed by New Zealand Rugby. So I can't sit here and go, you know what? If, if, if they've done that and they've given him that, and it sounds as though, and, and we haven't had it confirmed, but, but it's going to be the same coaching team. They've got to now find a way and look at what happened last year and, and, and make changes. You can't, if, we, if we do exactly what we did last year, I don't see us having success. So, but they're the ones that have the responsibility. They're the ones that they understand the, the, the pressure. And it's not an easy place to be where they are right now. And look, last year was a unique season. But bottom line is that they, they know they need to improve. They know they need to be better. They know they're going to be challenged this season. And you know, Ireland coming here and hoping that hopefully them coming here at close to full strength will give them a real indication and gauge uh, and uh, exactly where they are right now, and, and how and courageous will they be, um, or will it just be about getting results? And and I like I just, you know, look, we've got so many debates on positions, man. There's just so many guys, you know, that that Good. come into this Super Rugby season, right? Oh, massive, massive, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, imagine naming that first squad, Marshy, you know, Ricardo. Imagine naming mm. that first one to take on Ireland, and you're going, I've got to, I've got to bring it down to 30 names. You know, and go. These are the thirty that are going to go out there and and, and form the basis of our season. You know, so do I believe in them? I don't think they've got the, the they're the ones that have the responsibility. So I have to believe in them. Um, it'll all be proof in, in um, on the results on the field. Now, if they know that, that's the life of a professional rugby coach. And when you coach the All Blacks, expectations are you're going to win. Well, that's what I wanted to tap into you about um, because, like, let, let, let's think about the conundrum that they've got coming up. Now, JK, your good mate, has been had chat to us, and he said that what he feels is they've lacked consistency. They need to start putting out players in their position and giving them time in the jersey consistently and not messing around with it. So if I think of your area of expertise, the outside backs, let's let's say you've got Geordie Barrett, Will Jordan, Sever Reese, George Bridge, Rico Iwani I'm going to throw in there because I think he's going to have to move from the centre with Goodhue and Anton Bennett Brown back in form. Caleb Clark and Lester Poyang and Anuku. Now, how do you find spots for the three guys for 14 test matches this year? Is that possible? Out of that, that yeah, point? and this is the real... Yeah, yeah. is it possible? Um, you're not going to give everyone um, the amount of time that they, they probably might deserve, but in the end, you've got to settle on the balance and how you want to play. And if I look at it, you know, for me, Geordie Barrett has been... It was a standout last year. He's been a standout already this season. I think he brings a lot of the attributes you would like from a, an all-black fullback. Um, he's good in the air. He's got, a, you know, he's got a powerful kicking game. He's a threat off the tee. Uh, he runs hard and straight. He's a great defensive fullback. And then we've got, uh, I think, in, in, in uh, speed-wise, we've got uh, uh, Will, Will Jordan and, um, and uh, Rico Ioane, to me, are the two guys that... World class is Rico on the left wing. He is a wonderful finisher, outstanding speed. Yeah. We just need to give him opportunities. And then Will, Will Jordan was breakout player last year. I look at it and go, those are the guys I think that deserve to play. I think they are the future of the back three for the All Blacks. That's the way I would see it. And then I think that the, the key to me here is, is is the role that Bowden Barrett plays in all of this. It's about whether or not he's your starting first yeah. five. And if he is, if he's your starting first five... Can he then go back to fullback if you need it, if you need to rejig things? But those, to me, those are the three guys I think should should, should be the combination. You know, um, there's, there's no doubt we've seen glimpses from Severi Reese. There's no doubt you know that um, that George Bridge probably wasn't as as strong as he had been a couple of years ago. 
his World Cup year was really, really good. Played some great games for the All Blacks and played outstanding through the course of that season. Hasn't quite recapped that form. The wild card you talked about there, though, is Caleb Park. He, he is. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's five away from three here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you just about it for the day, Marshy. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on, of course, and uh, organising the guests as well, mate. Boy, oh, Goldie can talk, can't he? Oh, he's got great insight into the game, isn't he? And I only half by tapped into some of the things I wanted to talk to him about with the All Blacks, but we'll get another chance yep. at that later in the year. Thanks for joining us, everybody. As always, it's been great to have your company and I uh, look forward to hopefully a much more normal week of rugby this week and get back to uh, Super, Rug- Super Rugby Pacific. And, uh, yeah, it should be great. Yeah, indeed. Looking forward to it. Good stuff, mate. Go well, Marshy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. This has been the Bunnings Rugby, uh, the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.